uh, tonight, you're going to like tonight. <laughs> you're going to learn some stuff that you could pass on and also that you could use. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So let's pray first. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come in your house and learn about your business and your plan and your kingdom and your design of us as women. And we thank you, Father, that you created us to be women. We're grateful that we're women. And we, uh, we know that you have the perfect plan for us, and you did not make a mistake when you made us a woman. So, Father, we just embrace that, actually. We embrace that we are female gender, and we thank you for your wisdom in creating mankind, Lord. And Father, I thank you that tonight we will see something we've never seen, hear something we've never heard, and have a revelation knowledge we've never had before from your throne room. And I pray that the eyes of our understanding will be opened, that we could see the truth of your word. And I command every voice that is not of God to stop and cease and desist from operating at the sound of my voice. It has to shut off. And I speak that the voice of the Holy Spirit will be heard and clearly understood. And Father, I declare that everything that you have planned for me to speak tonight and to say and to demonstrate will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, tonight's message is called How to Build a portfolio of good for God. That's very long, so I'll write it out, okay? How to build a portfolio. I think I spelled it right. Of good for God. Okay, this is the only person we should be building good for, is God, really. If, if we focus on that, everything will fall into place, okay? So our goal is good for God. And when God was creating man, he was deciding if what he created was good. And he decided that it was not good that man be alone. He brought women in. He brought woman in, and then he said it was good. So we were already created with the idea of we make things good. That's, that was what we came in to fix. We came in, when we were created... We were created because what was there wasn't good. God couldn't put good on it. He couldn't say, okay, that's good, and then walk away. He had to do something else to make it good. Now, this doesn't mean men are bad. Please, let's not get that down that road. But the, the expectation of God, of man, required woman. So God knew what he expected man to do, 
And when he looked at the man that he created, he realized it's not good for man to be alone. So he created woman. This is why there is only man and woman, okay? There are animals, there are trees, there are birds, there's fish in the sea. But when it comes to human, there's only two options, male or female. And, and we have to say it these days, and we have to explain why. Because only male and female can produce other humans. Okay? We cannot produce other humans with animals. We can't produce... And, and Adam checked to see if he could do that. Uh-huh. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's clear this up before I get into what I'm teaching. Genesis chapter 1 verse... Um, 26, I think it is, is where he says, God says how he's going to make us, but where is it that, um, first I got to find my Bible app. Hang on a second. There we go. Okay. We're going to just get into it right away. Genesis chapter one. Now you realize, okay. Genesis 1:26, um, and God said, "Okay, and God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image, after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the all that stuff." Right? So, verse 27. So God created man in His own image, in the image of God and likeness. He created them, male and female. And God blessed them and said, multiply. So this is when it's talking about the two of them. Okay? Then he gave them an instruction together. Right? And then all the animals of the earth, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And that, that's when God said, saw everything that he made. Now, in, in chapter 2, it breaks it down of how he created everything. Right? So, uh, um, planted a garden. Tell me if you find it before me. 18, let's go to 18. Now the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper meet suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord formed. Okay, so you see, God said it wasn't good that man be alone. And out of the ground, he didn't form Eve. Look at what he formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every wild beast and living creature of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called them, every living creature, that was the name. And Adam gave names to all the livestock, all the birds, all the thing and all that, right? But when he was naming these things, this is in verse 20. But for Adam, there was not found a helper meet suitable for him. And then the Lord caused a deep sleep. So we already answered the question about animals taking the place of a woman in a man's life. That's been answered. Adam already answered it. You see, Adam and God already made a decision that wasn't suitable. So right away in your house, your animals should not come before you with your, with your spouse, with your children. The humans come first. Like this, I actually have to say this today because I'm seeing what's going on on TV, on commercials. The animals are getting upper place to the humans. This is a trend that I'm seeing, and that's wrong. You don't share DNA with an animal. 
you have dominion over an animal. You do not have DNA with an animal. You know, just be careful how, what you call them in your house. I'm just saying. Okay? I'm not anti-animals. God made them, and he said they were good. He didn't add anything to them like they were. He said they were good. So that's good. But he didn't put them above us. He didn't put them equal with us. We have dominion over them. They're under us. Okay? Now, so we've established that now. Um, my message was changing today as I was moving around. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what part to tell you. Um, you need to become a strong woman. You need to stop needing help. You need to be sufficiently capable of doing what your business is. Whatever you're supposed to do, you need to have the strength to hold your own. Now, I'm not just speaking physical strength. I'm speaking decision-making strength. I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about what you're saying. I'm talking about how you feel dependent or not dependent. In other words, if you were in charge of something in a company, could you be trusted to be in charge of it? You have to have that type of confidence in your house. And I feel like that's lacking in households. That's the problem. Like somewhere, women feel like their position is to be dependent and not be sufficiently capable. So at some point, we took help meet to mean help weak. You know, help I'm weak. <laughs> Whatever that. You know what I'm saying? Instead of help meet, we're help I'm so weak. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So what I'm going to tell you tonight is going to cover a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to also include this is what I had to do for myself. So I'm not telling you like you terrible people, how dare you not do this. I'm just telling you how I grew as a wife, which was different than what I was as a woman, bizarre as it was. Before I married Pastor Doug, I was a very independent woman. Like I, I ran stuff. I was the boss at 22 years old. You know, I was in charge. People listened to what I had to say, whether I was the boss or not. They just listened to what I had to say. But when I got married, I wasn't sure how this worked because I was like, uh, I got a problem. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I can't boss him around. And like, well, what do I do? <laughs> you know, and the problem was we thought on different levels. Like the things I thought was possible, he saw in like, you got to do this first, that first. That. I'm like, we do this as the starter thing and then poof, we do that but for pastor doug it was like you have to go through every step before you could get there like there you no, that no no we can get there <laughs> so so we always had this rub you know when it came to like uh getting things done or grow i don't know what it was but it's like you kind of have to fit you know when you just get married you just have to fit you have to like figure things out so along the way I want to give you some tools and some ingredients that you can build your house 
so that you are looking for the things that are out of place and you fix them with your mouth, right? You don't fix them with like, this person has to do that so this can happen. That, that's dependency. Now, if you are single, if you've never been married, if you are, you know, widowed, whatever, I know we've got a variety of people here, you, you are still responsible for a house. Your house didn't go away. You're still the house. You're still in the house. Your family line is included in your house. So what you say is key and critical to what could happen. Okay? So if you are single, you are responsible for spiritual children. You should have a house, spiritually speaking, that you are speaking over concerning lost children that don't have this opportunity you should create one the bible talks look up um in the bible if you're single and you look up in the bible where they talk about um the midwives the all these people look up single women in the bible what they did look at um i mean rahab wasn't single but she helped take care of the house her family (coughs) excuse me her family line she single-handedly Saved them out. They were the only ones delivered out of an entire country that was being taken care of. Do you see? And she negotiated the deal. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. Right? Okay. So, um, go to Romans 6.16. And in the Amplified, I'm going to read from there. The first thing you need to set straight in your life, you have to obey God. Like, period. A lot of the disobedience of women are because they claim the excuse of the dependency that they have on somebody else. The Holy Spirit does not buy that. If he gives you an instruction, he knows that you're capable of fulfilling it and you're not disrespectful or disorder to do it. He would not give you something to cause you to be out of order. You have to know when the Holy Spirit gives you an instruction, he is within order. And so because he doesn't go override our will. So if you're crying out to God to have a house that looks a certain way, to have children that behave a certain way, to have a spouse that behaves a certain way, and you get an instruction from God and you're not following it, then you're the problem. Because you're the one praying about the matter. He's giving you an answer and you're not following it. So who, who becomes the problem? You have just put yourself in the middle of the spot. You have blocked anything else from happening because you would not follow that instruction. So when you're praying and asking God for things, you have to have the mindset that you're going to get an instruction and you must follow it. You cannot pray and ask God for something and expect somebody else to come and do the job for you. It's your prayer. This is typical, this is what happened with Zechariah, with John the Baptist. They, were, they want a child, they're praying to God for a child. The angel shows up and gives him the instruction and tells him this is going to happen. He didn't even have to do anything. He simply had to say, okay, 
Like the angel didn't say, so I need you to like go do this and take five more barley bread and bake this. Nothing. I mean, it's simply like, I'm giving you good news. What you're praying for is about to happen. Well, no, it can't happen. No, no, no. And see, this is where we have all the insecurities start talking. So if you have been praying for your spouse and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, your husband's going to be in church tomorrow at this time. He's never going to leave. You're going to be like, oh, well, that'll be today. You weren't ready for the answer. You were just mouthing something, but you really weren't ready for the answer. You, you were afraid if it actually happened, what will happen? Do you understand? It's like the girl who opened the door when Peter came at the prayer meeting. They're all ridiculing the girl because they, she's delivering the message and he's standing right there. No, it can't be. No, it cannot be. Well, what, are, what is the point? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like, what is it that we're doing? Like, you see, this is the form of godliness with no power. And even then, God's showing up to give us answers and we don't want to take it. You see? So, this is very interesting. Okay, let's go to First Peter. Oh, did I read? I didn't read scripture. <laughs> Too busy telling you what to do. <laughs> Here's what it says. Romans 6, 16. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, you are the slave of him who you obey? Whether that be sin, whether that be to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Right doing and right standing with God. So whoever you submit to, that's who you are a slave to or that's who you're enslaved to or that's who you decide to follow and those are the results you're going to get. This is simple. So if you are submitting to a spouse or a child or a job or a, or a tradition or a culture or whatever that is sinful, then you're, you're, you're reaping the results of it. If you obey God, then you are heading in righteousness. So this is the thought that we have to keep. This is why you have to be strong. You have to be strong to stand up for this. You cannot be weak. I'm going to show you what it will do to your house when you're weak. I'm going to show you what you're actually doing to your house when you're weak. All right? Now, let's go to 1 Peter 1.14. 1 Peter 1.14. And here's what it says in the Amplified. Live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance. When you did not know the requirements of the gospel. You see that? When we didn't know about God and his ways, it was ignorance. It was lack of knowledge. But now that we know the truth. We are supposed to submit to it. We are supposed to obey it as standard. Not as like as it's convenient. It is standard operating procedure. This is what we do. I was sharing the, the story the other day uh, with someone about um, when we had three um, teachers from China that stayed at our house as part of this exchange student thing. We had done it when Gabe was younger because, like, a teenager, because we thought, okay, a foreign student, teenage, would be awesome. Like, you know, yeah, we'll do it so we can have another teenager, blah, blah, blah. We end up with three teachers. 
So they were very not happy people. <laughs> I don't know what they sell them over there before they come to tell them what they're coming to, but apparently it is like the lap of luxury, and that's not what they found. Because first of all, we were planning for one teenage boy, so we had a, a room set up for such an occasion. And we got three grown men, <laughs> like the day of that they're arriving. So here we are trying to plan for three grown men, like beds and all, like, Anyway, and, um, and they were not pleasant. And I was just thinking, like, it didn't matter what we did. They were just not gracious at all. And then I'm thinking to myself, I've never met people like this in my whole life. Like, at least even a sinner, and they weren't Christians. But besides that, like, I've met sinners. I mean, I've hung out with sinners. They're never like this. And the Lord, the Lord alerted me to the fact that this is what a loveless environment produces. Think about it. In that country, to be a Christian, you have to be underground. So everything above ground is void of God. God is love. There's no love in the atmosphere. So when we are serving them with love, like we are, we have love in our house. They don't, they don't know what the heck's going on. They're like, it's foreign to them, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of off-putting. Well, by day three, they were fine, they were okay, and they would start responding to us, and we're smiling at each other. Didn't know the language too well. The English teacher was staying with us, but he didn't know much English. I was like, what's he teaching these kids? He's, he's supposed to be translating, but it wasn't working out. So I'm like, I don't know what word you're saying, but that's not what we're saying, you know. Like, anyway. But by the end of it, they, uh, there was, we were able to, to com- have camaraderie. But I bet they never felt that before. They never felt love. They didn't know what it was. So for them, it's like, what is this foreign thing? Like, it's not just, you know. But one rule we had was, what was supposed to happen is, whoever home they're staying, whatever the home does, they're supposed to do with the family, right? Well, we do church. So... <laughs> When they found out Sunday is church, they were like, oh, my gosh. We had this huge argument about it back and forth. They were like, you know, we're trying to talk language here. And it was like, no, 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 no. We church. You go church. And they were like, no, 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 no. We no, no, we know. Yes, you go church. <laughs> and so, so here's what we said. I said, listen. They're like, we stay here. No, no, you. No, 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 no. So when we were done, here's what I said. Here is the deal. Nobody that stays at our house stays home when we have church. You're, you can go to any church you want to, but you, you don't get to be here while there's church. So, so they were like, I said, so you have to go somewhere else. Where are you going to go? Because we can't take you either. <laughs> and so they decided that they would go to the mall that didn't open up yet when we were leaving. Because we had to take them first before we could come to church. They were okay with that, to sit outside the mall till it opened and stayed there till after lunch, 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and we'd go pick them up then. So they don't come to church. I said, but you can't stay in the house. And you can't get, and they were asking for a key. No, you can't get a key to come in my house while we're at church. No. Because they would have gotten a taxi to go back. or No. That was the rule for our house. That is the rule for our house. Anybody that stays at our house, the only people were, that were the exception were my parents when they couldn't move. Like, well, you know, okay. 
you're dying, we'll give you that. But other than that, the rule for our house is if you're in our house and it's a church night, you go to church. Period. Nobody gets to stay home. It has to be like extreme circumstances. But the priority of our house is that. It's God's house first. You see? So when you have that set up as a standard, everything has to work around that. Now I'm going to show you the importance of this. Women. This is important for women to get. This is important for women to get. This is why I'm telling you. Everybody's blaming the men. But the women are the ones causing this problem. I'm going to show you. All right. Um, okay, I'm going to say this statement, and then I'll have to explain it, obviously. <laughs> Husband-pleasing is a Jezebel spirit. That's what Jezebel did. And in order to fulfill the pleasing of her husband, she created prophets of her own. She created her own religion to please her husband, but it gave her a high. It gave her power. But she was having power for the wrong spirit. So she felt powerful to do the bidding of her husband that was evil. Mm. I told you, these household problems aren't the men. It's the women. I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm just telling you. There are exceptions. But again, if the woman doesn't do something about the exception, the home problem becomes the woman's problem. Because if she is supporting it it's the problem she is the problem because we are the help so what are we helping if there's an abusive man that's not just abusive to you but abusive to other people too and you're fully aware of it and you just decide to stick it out and be all good with it you are the problem because they wouldn't do that if you didn't help everything about you is help So you have to be careful what you are hooking up to because whatever you hook up to is help. And in marriage, it's a multiplied help. Silence. But I'm going to tell you how not to let it be a help. You understand? I'm not telling you, do not go home and divorce your husbands. I'm saying this on the record. (laughs) You got to do a lot of stuff before you make that step. Okay, there's a lot to be done before that step is the final thing, like Abigail and and Nabal thing. Okay, let it be known, (laughs) all the husbands out there. Okay, now, 1 Peter 3, 2. Are you guys okay? All right. First Peter 3. I get all the surgeries. It's all right. Pastor Doug's coming back. The recovery room is opening up. <laughs> I, I, we, we need to go up higher, you know? We, I, here's what I want this church to be known for. This church, the women of this church have the strongest households 
in our community. That's, that's what I want us to be known for. Single, married, it doesn't matter. Widowed, it doesn't matter. But, but your house is so strong that you are influencing the generations in, in your community. That's how strong your house is. It's, it's a lighthouse for family in your community. Right? So we got to straighten out some things in order to be that. Right? So let's go to 1 Peter 3.2. It says, when they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourself, this is talking about unsaved husbands, together with your reverence for your husband, well, no, this is probably talking about unsaved people, you are <laughs> to feel for him all that reverence includes, to respect, defer to, revere him, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense, to adore him, that is to admire, praise, be devoted to deeply love and enjoy your husband. That's what you're supposed to do. After you try doing all that, and it's rejected blatantly, then you can say goodbye. Because that's the only thing left to do. Because then if you stay, the only thing you're helping is to create more sin or more, you know, breaking law or more something like that. Do you understand? So do you see all the things? This is in the Amplified. What you're not told to do in Scripture is to maintain and walk on eggshells so you don't make them mad. That, the Scripture doesn't tell you to do that. If you talk to Pastor Doug, you can ask him how many times I have ticked him off. I pushed him all the way to the edge, over the cliff, and say, better pray as you go down, bro, because I ain't putting up with this. Yeah. So this sharp, amazing husband I have today, there was stuff that I decided not to do and to do. do you, and he would tell you this. Doug would say this to you. Because we grow up, as people, we grow up with different things. We grow up without instructions. We grow up with instructions. We grow up with what we saw in culture. We grow up with what we think this is supposed to be. We grow up with all kinds of stuff. When you get into a marriage, you have to decide what it's going to look like. When Doug and I got married, both of our parents, they were married for a while. They didn't have a problem. They were all doing well. But we sat down and said, actually, before we started dating, we were just discussing what kind of marriage we were going to have. It was hilarious. But we always said, we don't want a marriage like anybody we know. We want our own marriage. We, we don't want to be like that and like that. No, that, those are human standards. We want our own marriage based on the word of God. Well, if you do that, you're going to dig up the word and say, that doesn't fit, that doesn't fit, and that doesn't fit, and I'm not supporting it. You said that's what you want. I said that's what I want. That's what we're going to have. You see what I'm saying? But here's the other part. Nobody would ever know what was wrong. Because we never discussed with anybody else our business. It was, we discussed with ourselves, each of us, what we're going to straighten out. We called each other on it. And we didn't have to go call mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy think we're the best of everything that's ever happened to each other <laughs> on both sides. And we're not the worst either. But when you're in the middle of growing, things can look pretty bad. You know, if somebody were to check, take sides, they would have a side to pick when you're growing. 
But that's the thing. If you make a commitment and a decision, you work it out. And you set up a standard that you could say something in the middle of a conversation and the person will know that you're being corrected right now, but nobody else knows. You know, or you're being alerted to something's not right here. That's not what we say. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you, but you can't do that if you're not strong. If you are fearful about losing something, you can't do that. If you are not built up in the Lord, you can't have that conversation because you're going to feel like you're not good enough and yeah, what they're saying is right. You can't do, you have to build yourself up first. And set your standards for your own life. And then that example is going to speak volumes. And you are showing results. You're showing progress. You are the billboard they're watching. When Pastor Doug wasn't going to the gym, I was going to the gym. He didn't grow up going to the gym. He played sports. I, I, when I came to America, one of the things I did was go to the gym. I was so fit. Oh, my gosh. If you saw me then, you'd be shocked at what you're seeing now. But that's the side point. So when I started working with this trainer years ago, um, my leg muscles started getting defined. Like you could see the, you know. So one night, so Pastor Doug had no interest in going to the gym whatsoever. Like, you know, because it, it never was an appetite because he never did it. He just played sports, right? So one night we're in bed and he's massaging my leg and came up on this muscle and he went, oh, I was like, look at it. Look, (laughs) here's my muscle. It's showing. And he was like, wow. And won't you know, Pastor Doug now goes to the gym. (laughs) You understand? I didn't have to do any kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. No, no. I just do what I had to do. That was my instruction from God. Go to the gym. So I did. And it reaped harvest. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so there are ways, if you are strong in who you are, you don't need somebody to come along with you so you can do something. You just do the instruction. That's what you need to build yourself up to do. There's too many wives waiting for their husbands to come along with them at the same level. And, and oh my, in the real spiritual homes, the husband is higher. Do you know? <laughs> do you know how many things I'm better at than Pastor Doug? And how many things he's better at than me? We have respect for each other. That this one does this better and this one does that better. And that's how it is. You understand what I'm saying? I don't try to be under my head like, oh, I don't want to show too much leadership because then it'll make Doug's leadership look poor. No. I lead when I have to lead. I do what I have to do. I had to, make, I had to do a, um, <laughs> I had to do a Zoom meeting with the kids at the orphanage right after one of our little girls passed away. This is the first time it's ever happened. And it was a serious, I mean, like, okay, I'm not there. Um, I couldn't go. Uh, these narcissists were threatening me with jail time or whatever. The devil's a liar. But anyway, I was doing COVID and all that stuff. So I was like, I was going to zip over there. And so I did a Zoom call to be the leader of the home. So I'm on the call. So what I did was I had Doug come on the call so, so they could see a family. You know, we're the family taking care of you and stuff. Um, but Doug has no part in the orphanage as far as like legally or anything like that. It's just the way we set it up. 
So this way in the future, only the blood relatives are leading the orphanage, not a spouse. A spouse has no position. Because we don't know who the spouses are going to be in the future. <laughs> but we know what our bloodline's like, right? So that's how we set it up. So anyway, so that includes Doug. So, um, so I had Doug on a call so he could pray, you know, to start and all that. So then the rest of the call, he's just sitting in the, in the Zoom meeting, you know, hearing the whole thing. Well, he, I saw him sitting there. We were in different locations. So he was on his own thing and I was on my own. And he's just grinning from ear to ear at certain points, right? So like I said, you were just enjoying this call apparently because <laughs> you were just smiling. You had this, I know this smile. Nobody else would know this smile, but I could see this smile. So he said because it was like, oh, my gosh, watching you do your thing is just like so amazing. Like you just like do it. And like everybody was so calm and you you calmed the whole thing down. It was like you didn't make a big deal out of it. It was just like it was just like mesmerizing to watch how you work. <laughs> I said, well, thank you, because he never really sees my interaction. He doesn't know what I'm doing. I could give him feedback, but he, he's never present when I'm doing these. If he were, I mean, we won't have time to do everything we do if we're all there together all the time. So but that was his respect of me because I'm confident in what I'm doing. I didn't need to be like, oh, Doug, this terrible thing happened at the orphanage. I don't know if I could pull it off. And no, <laughs> it's this isn't a husband wife position. This is a Fiona position. This is my position. So even in the household, we have a relationship as husband and wife. But when it comes to this, this is my thing. This is what I'm responsible for. So we behave accordingly. And if the other person asks for support, then we do that. Do you understand? So, so when you are confident, when you can stand on your own and listen to instructions from God, ask for help when you need it, you're still the one in charge of what happens and responsible for what happens. I think part of women not having solid households is the lack of responsibility. There's an automatic deferring of responsibility to the husband. But I'm going to show you something that will shock you tonight. I'm going to show you something. Okay. Well, you're probably already shocked, but. <laughs> now, let's go to Proverbs 14. I will start with verse 1. So I have a topic heading that says wise women do these things. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. Every wise woman builds her house. Every wise woman builds her house. But the foolish one tears it down with her own hands. So I was interested in what the hands was, you know? Like, what are you doing? Like, taking a shingle off at a time? <laughs> What's going on? Which, incidentally, the Bible says it's better to live with a, a dripping thing than a woman, you know, take the shingle off. The, you know what I'm saying? Okay. You see how much the Bible talks about women and houses and homes? You should look it up. Do a search for yourself. 
The, the passion says, every wise woman encourages and builds up her family, but a foolish woman over time will tear it down by her own actions. Okay? Now, this is the gist of what I want to tell you. Your hands touch things, right? So, the Bible talks about touch not the Lord's anointed. Don't touch the unclean thing. There's a lot of things not to touch. If you look up touching things in the Bible, you'll see what to touch and what not to touch. So a woman, this is what I want to discuss with you tonight. If your house has been torn down, there is foolishness going on. But a wise woman knows how to build her house. So you need the wisdom of God. As a woman, you need the wisdom of God. You cannot operate in a house without the wisdom of God. Your children's lives depend on it. Your future generations, your grandchildren, your, they depend on your wisdom. Okay? You should be so indispensable and full of wisdom that your husband or your children would cry were they to have the thought that you would not be available to them. They should be at a loss for you not to be there. And not so you can wash the the laundry and do the dishes. (laughs) So funny, when I went to Guyana, uh, the last time I think I went for a long time, for two or three weeks, maybe two weeks, and the ladies, you know, this is... The culture, you know, you, the wife cooks and cleans and does all, right? So they were saying that, oh, I bet Pastor Doug is ready for you to come home and he's going to have a good meal. I said, honey, when I go home, I'm going to have a good meal. <laughs> that ain't how I'm working over there. He was, they were like, he, you know, so, so that you can help pick up, help Josiah go to school. Like, you know, because he's doing everything, you know, he's helping Josiah go to school. And I was just like, it's a lot. But I'm just saying it's a lot because he's also like, we're not tag teaming like we normally do. It doesn't mean I'm doing all those things. You know what I'm saying? So, so, uh, they were like, oh, so they're like, so you can cook hot meals. They can have a hot meal to eat. I'm like, well, I think they're eating hot meals. He'll be cooking me a hot meal probably when I show up. And then, you know, laundry at least. No, he kind of does laundry too if needed. And then like take, well, for sure, getting up and getting Josiah ready. And then, no, no, that he does that too. <laughs> then I go, what the heck do I do? <laughs> but the thing is, it's not like he has to do that and I have to do this. You understand? Like we just do it like what needs to be done. So it's not like he couldn't do it. And he's just make, he's just like keeping up till I come. I mean, he's just being himself. <laughs> so. So my point is, though, still Pastor Doug wouldn't want to get rid of me. Because what I offer, nobody else could. Do you understand? So those things that we think are the reason why your spouse has you around, it might be so shallow, you need to start looking what you've been building. Wisdom needs to be the principal thing. Wisdom, you should have answers for the family like nobody's business. 
So here's what I'm seeing from this verse. The husband is the head of the house. But the woman is the builder of the house. She's the one building it. He's the head. So, so she, every wise woman, builds her house. So here's the thing. The building blocks of the home is brought in through her mouth. This is why you can tear it down by your actions. You can tell all the kids what a low-down, dirty dog husband you have. And the house is going to have a head that's low-down, dirty dog. You can say, this is the best thing that ever happened to sliced bread, and the children are going to be, this is the best thing that ever happened to sliced bread. You understand what I'm saying? But you don't do that with somebody that's beating you up and whipping you around and all. No, no, no. You're too strong for that nonsense. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you, you got to know. But you can't stay and take that because you don't know what else to do. That right there shows your weakness. Right? So, if that's the situation you're in, get help. But don't fight the help. Don't try to preserve. See, what ends up happening is women want to keep what they have. And they just want the rest of the bad stuff to go away. But they don't want to have to start over. They don't want to do all that. that that's from hell. When God delivered the children of Israel, he didn't rearrange Egypt. He plundered Egypt. <laughs> Took them out. You know what I'm saying? Now, Abigail, she got all the wealth from Nabal, but then David was a smart dude. He just got all of it. <laughs> like, I'll marry you here. Bring it all there. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but she, she was a woman who knew what she was doing, right? Because when she heard what her foolish husband did, she went, a woman builds the house. Every wise woman builds her house. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says every wise woman builds her house. My question is, what kind of buildings are standing in your house? What kind of buildings represent your house? Women have been waiting too long for husbands to pray and be the priest to the house so he can bring all the children in. You were the ones that do that. <laughs> you say, that's not happening. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's not happening. This is what's happening. You say that. You help by saying that. Now, if you turn yourself into this confident, God-fearing woman, and you stop blabbing about the, the, the insecurities of your husband, like whatever he don't have, do you know how quick you can turn things around? That man be laughing at every word you have to say. I'm just telling you. He'll be like, well, whatever you, that sounds good to me. Wouldn't that be a better position to be in? Now, waiting around for some dude to turn around. He ain't turning nowhere. You give him nothing to turn to. <laughs> Except all this nagging. <laughs> Do you know why they need help? Because you could see something they can't see. You're the one looking at them. And we like when we can give something to somebody. And they're willing. You have to have something they want. Which man wants a nagging woman? Like, raise your hands. Like, oh, can't wait for my wife to come home today. She's going to tell me everything I did wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
What I used to do when we first got married, I told the story before, but I'll tell it again here. When Deb and I first got married, we didn't have cell phones back in the day. <laughs> so I'm not used to people talking to me a certain way. Now, I've heard other people talk to each other like this, and they're fine with it. Like, to them, there's nothing wrong with the tone of voice or the conference. Like, honestly, it's like that's normal. Well, that ain't normal to me. So <laughs> Pastor Doug would just say something. It wasn't like there was no fight. There was nothing. There wasn't even a decision to be made. It was just a phrase that will be said, right? And I would be thinking, I don't like how that sounds, and I don't, I don't like how it makes me feel, Right? There was not, like, if you took the words by themselves, there's nothing wrong with any of the words. But I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. So anyway, I would leave the house. We would go to work. And I'd be driving to work, and I'd say, Lord, what just happened, didn't, I didn't feel right. Like, it didn't feel good. So for the rest of my life, I don't ever want to feel like that again whenever Doug would speak. So either you correct something inside of me that's wrong that I have a problem with this, or you correct something in him that he needs to correct how he speaks to me in the future. So this never happens again. That's what I would say. We'd go to work, work all day, not talk, you know, we didn't talk to each other during the day because we didn't have cell phones and stuff. Come back home from work. He would always be home before me. When I would come home, open the door, he'd be standing at the door apologizing for the exact thing. We never had a conversation about it. I never made a face or nothing when he would have said it. He would apologize for the exact thing that bothered me. And then we'd have a discussion about it. Why it would have bothered me, if it's something that we should do again, should we not, this is what we, and that's, what those things are, I have no idea, because it was gone. You see what I'm saying? I remember we were just married, and we have a house. We bought a house, and so he, we're painting it, right? And so a friend, a friend of ours came over to help paint, and he's downstairs in the basement painting. We had this, like, bi-level thing, you know, so it's not a full basement, blah, blah, blah. So we're painting this wall. So I don't know anything about painting. Never painted a thing in my life. So Pastor Doug's a painter at the time. He was a painter. So he's painting, you know, and I'm not doing it right. So... You know, me and my little flamboyant way of just whatever, right? So I pick up the brush, and I'm like, oh. And he's like, no, that's something like that. I put the brush down. I went off to the room. I was like, so he comes to the room. Now, mind you, I'm 23 years old. He comes into the room, and he's like, my love, what's the problem? I said, what's the problem? I remember this one. I was like, what is the problem? Here I am. A brand new painter, never painted a thing in my life. You, Mr. Professional, <laughs> and you are planning to be a leader someday? <laughs> you said God called you to be a pastor? I don't think so. Not with that. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, if you plan on leading anybody... <laughs> You're going to have to figure out how to lead people like me. <laughs> I mean, at this level of speech, I'm in the room going, so I'm just saying, <laughs> based on your leadership, I have no desire to work with you whatsoever. <laughs> so you can paint the wall all by yourself. <laughs> so he was like, I'm so sorry. 
So he he realized, oh my gosh. And we had a conversation about it. And then we went out of the room. Like nothing ever happened. And just started painting. And he showed me what to do. And the friend, he was like. <laughs> I have never in my life <laughs> seen somebody that mad <laughs> at somebody else and come out here like nothing ever happened like five minutes later like what <laughs> I was like we were like well we had a communication about it there was a you know but all those little things if I had just let them go and accommodated myself to fit my husband, he would not have been the man he was today. <laughs> and I would not have been the woman I am today. Do you see how it feeds, right? So we had those hard conversations that nobody ever wants to have, especially when you're married like a month. Like nobody's having that conversation. <laughs> you're like trying to let the things settle in. I mean, we just, yeah. Because I had to decide if I really want to be married, like, is this all the time? This, we better have more than this because I could do all this by myself. <laughs> so I was like, Lord, if I'm supposed to be married to this dude, a whole lot of things needs to change like right away. <laughs> this was like after a month of marriage, by the way. I was like, because I can cut and leave right now. We know what it all feels like. We know what it looks like. I can decide if I want it or not. And this didn't happen. These are the conversations I had with God and with my husband and this is the conversation I had and now we're 26 years later you understand so when people see what we have these are the conversations I was willing to have because I wasn't afraid that oh my gosh she's gonna leave me okay (laughs) like whoopee (laughs) do you know what I'm saying like I knew that I was somebody in God like I knew God would give me somebody else Like, I never had a problem with that. Do you understand? And I'm not telling you to be, like, all confront. If you've been doing this for 50 years, this is not the tactic to take. (laughs) You might give the dude a heart attack. Like, what? (laughs) This is what I did after, like, a week or a month of marriage. You understand? This was the, this is how I laid the foundation for our relationship. So that (laughs) we could always have these tough conversations and nobody's mad at anybody. Like, so defensiveness is another thing, okay? You cannot be defensive. You have to be able to be teachable. If you are defensive, you are a weak woman. If you are defensive, you're weak. You need to listen to what somebody's saying and say, okay, I agree with that. I disagree with that. Here's why I disagree. Here's what I agree. I, need, I, I definitely need to change that. I didn't realize that's what I was doing. You need to be able to do that. Okay, you need to be able to hear things about yourself and decide if you want to keep it or you want to dump it. So you can say, yep, I don't plan to change that at all. (laughs) That's what I want it to be. That's exactly how I want it to be. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Or like, what? I do what? No, I don't want to do that. You see what I'm saying? And so we are defensive when we have to protect something. So if Pastor Doug was being defensive about something, I would send him articles about defensiveness. I would send him sermons about defensiveness. I would tell him he was defensive. I would, I would do all that. He, he had a lot of training. 
he was probably smiling if he's watching. But, but, but it's not like he was a bad person or wrong. It was just what we, were, what, we were, what we think is right, what we see on TV, what we hear people do. You know what I'm saying? Like, but remember, when the two of us started talking to each other, our thing was we don't want a marriage like anybody else. So that gives us both the license to design our marriage how we want it to be. So I can say what I want to say, this is my design. I don't want that. I want this. I'm not settling for nothing. Are you kidding me? Uh-uh. Listen, here's the deal. I was, here, I was listening to um, Jesse the Planets today, and somebody asked him a question if, um, about heaven. Like, do families live together in heaven? Or would they recognize each other, and do they live together in heaven? And he was like, and I've heard this before, I've read this before, where you do know each other, but everybody has their own place. And I went, yeah, in heaven, everybody is their own person, independent, worshiping God. There's no collaboration going on with married people or family members, nothing. Nobody has to listen to anybody. Their relationship is only with God. You don't have to have a relationship other than everybody gets along. So if we took that model down here and saw ourselves, we are individual people to God. You got to fix that first. You got to be confident in that first. And don't you think God's capable of handling your relationship and helping you with it if he's telling you to do something? You know what I'm saying? Like you're not going to have a bad attitude about it, but you need to be confident about it. You can't be like, well, I I don't come to church because my husband doesn't really want to come. Really? When you go to heaven, you're not going to have that as a thing. You're going to go to the throne room because you want to. Like, think, when, when I listen to them, I go, you know, there is not a single soul telling you what to do in heaven. It's you and God. It should be like that on earth. The world has designed marriage for too many people, it's, and it's no longer what the Bible says. The man is the head of the house because we got to have somebody as the head. But the woman is building the house, folks. You're deciding what comes in and what goes out with your mouth and your actions. All them complaining you're doing with everybody. (laughs) When you complain against your own house, you're tearing it down. Shingle at a time. My parents never heard a bad thing about Doug ever. There's nothing bad to tell. There's nothing bad about Doug or me. What could be bad is our interaction with each other, with what we have. You understand what I'm saying? That's where the bad stuff comes in. It's like how you manage who you are as a person with the other person. That's just what it is. And here's the deal. When things hurt your feelings and all that, that just shows what part of your love walk needs to be fixed. You know what I'm saying? That's why when I prayed, I'd say, Lord, if there's something in me that has to be fixed, I'd like you, please, let's fix it. Or if there's something that he needs to fix, because I'm thinking of him as a future pastor, because that's what he told me God called him to do. So in my mind, if this is going to affect other people too, then it it needs to be fixed in him. You, You know, but I have to decide if it's something in me. So this is how I would pray for my husband. 
And then, um, if necessary, I would tell him how, where to go and how to get there and how long to be there. <laughs> yeah, I would, sometimes I would just say, listen, I don't like that, I don't want it, and I don't know what the answer is. So you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for the answer. And he would go pray, ask the Holy Spirit, and he would have that answer. Yeah. And a lot of times, it, it's not anything bad that is being done. So I don't like stag- I don't like to maintain. I like growth and expansion. I'm like, woo, let's go for the next thing. Pastor Doug is like the perfect. He could do the same thing every day, and he, it's the joy of the Lord is his strength. <laughs> Me? <laughs> like, dude, I'm bored. <laughs> We need some like, woo, let's figure out something else we can do. And that, when we figured that out about ourselves, it helped a lot. So, so my, my, uh, my involuntary um, expression of I'm bored and I don't know, I, I need something. I rearrange furniture. I've, he discovered that's what I do. So for him, when I start doing that, <laughs> triggered. <laughs> You know, you know what I'm saying. And now we are, our relationship is so amazing because we're finally, I like, finally, Doug, we're thinking on the same level. This is so awesome. This is so great. We could have thought on the same level from day one of marriage. All I would have done is follow along with a little puppy dog and say, everything Doug's doing is perfect. No, <laughs> that's not why God put me in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't think the person is bad because something has to be corrected. It's because you can see it. Help them. This is your job. But women are waiting for their husbands to be priests of the house. Look, it's, you know how the king of England, you how much, what's he doing? <laughs> There's also a prime minister. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? There's the king of England, but there's a prime minister. You're the prime minister. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But the devil makes Christian women feel bad about being the prime minister. But Jezebel doesn't make building decisions. She makes destruction decisions. That's what Jezebel does. You're not Jezebel if you're making building decisions. You see how the devil does? He calls a strong woman a Jezebel. God don't call a strong woman a Jezebel. The devil does. Because he knows what his Jezebel is supposed to be. And he's scared of you. Because his Jezebel can't compete with you. That's the problem. <laughs> you see? Like, everybody, me, everybody, I was like, you would really like me to leave and just leave Doug at the church, wouldn't you? Well, it ain't happening. <laughs> But now, it's a good thing I stayed. You see, but in the beginning, all the real Jezebels would have loved me to leave. So they could have their way. But no. You have to stand up for who you are. And you have to do it so well that you're indispensable in your house. That people, your whole family comes to you for advice. All of them. They don't feel like they could make a move without asking you what you think about it. 
and you don't water it down. You see what I'm saying? Isn't that a better position to be in? If your husband don't come to church, don't put up with it in the spirit. You don't got to say a word to him yet. You start cutting that stuff off. You, you, I went to my son's open house last night. I was like, hmm. <laughs> I love all his teachers in his, they have tribes or whatever they call them. Except the one that's his homeroom person who he has to be in there three times a day. You, I'm listening to his presentation of, and I thought, you're more interested in your rules than the children. That's a problem for me. I don't want that for my son. No. You need to retire. I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, it's time for you to retire. You're, you're about that age. I think you've been talking about it. It's a good time to, like this coming week, hand in your letter. Let's go. <laughs> Do you know, you know why? Because I watch out for my house. I don't want my son to be stressed unnecessarily from some dude who you can't talk, you can't smile, you can't laugh. What? And, and he's telling me about this uh, free time flex class. The flex class is designed. So the whole thing is designed for social interaction. So I asked the question, so when they're in the class, are they talking to each other? Are they allowed to speak? Talk to? No, 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 no. We put a jar in the middle of the, in the thing. I put a jar in the middle. I have topics in there. We pull a topic out and we discuss it. I'm like, no, you just like to hear yourself talk, I'm thinking. You really love to hear your own self talk and, and make sure everybody follows your rules and they don't move. I'm like, no, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> so you need to go bye-bye. Like, so that's what I'm doing for my house. You understand? And every child I've heard talk about it, his friends interacting, they all feel badly for him. Because they only have this person in one class and they can't stand him. And when you hear the other teachers talk about him, they're almost sympathetically speaking to the kids about it. I'm like, no, you don't need to be here. <laughs> you need to leave. Because it's not just my son, it's all the children. Nobody has a good report that they're displaying about you. So I didn't tell him a word. I smiled and nodded because I'm thinking, no, <laughs> not going to happen. Mm -mm. So either he moves and retires or another or Josiah goes, you know, get another three class. But he likes all the other teachers in the group, so I want him to keep all them. So whatever has to happen, this dude does not need to be part of his day in school. But I don't have to go make a scene at the school. I don't have to call the principal. I don't have to voice my opinion. I have spiritual authority. It's my house. You see? What if we all did that for all the stuff in our community? What would happen? We are the women that can do this. We build stuff. You know, at the, um, the, you know, the car dealers are all trying to strike now and stuff. As a woman, you were designed to build. My God, your womb builds an entire human out of one sperm. Your donation was a sperm. <laughs> they bring billions to the scene. You only pick one. <laughs> you take one of them. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when, when they have twins, is it, is it, isn't it the egg that splits? Or two eggs or one egg splits? It's not even more. Oh, my gosh, ladies. <laughs> so think about in your house. I know we're going over time, but listen to this. In your house, your husband is the head of the house. He gets one idea. He just says one thing. 
I, if we could do, well, you just need, that's it, the idea. What do you want? And you start building on godly things. Jezebel heard what her husband wanted. He's whining, complaining like a little baby. And she killed people for it. You don't have to kill people to get what your husband would like. You do the things, the wisdom of God. I mean, we grow stuff. That's what we do. We build things. If we can build humans that produce other humans, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then we're concerned about when our husband would pray with us. Like, do you know that was the number one problem for when my husband doesn't pray with me? Okay. <laughs> we know what's missing. He doesn't know how to pray. <laughs> okay. So when you talk to God about him, say, Holy Spirit, get him. <laughs> Let him find a mentor that can teach him how to pray. Whatever. <laughs> you, like when you see all these problems, the devil makes it look like you've got such a terrible life. And, and your husband won't do anything about it. Well, it's your job. <laughs> I mean, did you ever hear the story? You know, like if you hear Billy Graham's wife talk, if you hear all these ministers, their wives, they had a big part in, in praying through taking care of things, doing, giving them advice. They were the big part in making the thing happen. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So don't, you have to be careful with what you're doing with men, your boy, child, your friends, if they're guys. Don't, don't have a guy friend. He's getting help for free. You are a woman, you will help. That's what you were designed to do. So you have to know that. So you have to be careful who you're helping. Who you're in relationship with, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You're like crying over there. (laughs) Let's turn off the live. Sorry, guys.